Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bud Rebel Show, a podcast like no other. Our podcast has great guests. We have a super guest tonight we're going to tell you about. We have what we call Snapple Facts. These are things that are a little bit off the wall that we have. We have ways you can make money. We have some crazy ideas. We're going to try to bring back something called a shadow series. And uh, a few of the surprises along the way. So our special guest today is Jack. And Jack is a producer, director, writer, the whole shebang. Am I correct with that, basically? You're right. Thank you for having me on the show, bud. Uh, Thank you. How are you today? We're doing good. We're doing good. And where are you at, by the way? Uh, right now, I'm currently in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. And you are a film director, producer of the whole shebang, right? Well, tell us a yes. little bit how you got started with this whole career. In case you want to get started. Well, uh, uh, back, uh, so I'm originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, Cincinnati is known for uh, like Procter & Gamble, Kroger's, uh, GE. Uh, so when I was uh, young in high school, I started off doing plays and theater, and uh, eventually I, I got a local agent, and I started booking uh, like Procter & Gamble corporate videos, Kyocera commercials, etc. And that really got me into, oh, there's, there's an industry here. So at 18, I actually moved to uh, the Big Apple, uh, and I went there. I studied at this place called the New Actors Workshop with uh, master teachers like George Morrison, Mike Nichols, and many other. And uh, I really got into uh, the filmmaking and television. That's where I wanted to uh, uh, lead to. I wanted my finished goal was going to be film and television. So when I was 21, I moved to uh, Los Angeles, and I continued my career. And I found my way into directing. And I guess to uh, summarize and to end the question is I kind of was forced into writing, directing, producing, because, uh, you know, when you move out to Hollywood or anywhere to be an actor, um, it, there's a big part of networking. Yeah, you got to have talent, but you also have to know uh, several uh, filmmakers that will put you in their movie. And I, uh, I was auditioning. I was getting like small roles where I'd get one liners and I, it just wasn't working for me. So uh, that's actually when I wrote uh, The Private Eye. And uh, I originally I was going to be the lead actor in The Private Eye. Uh, but uh, shortly after, we started uh, going after bigger actors for the lead role. Um, and that's how I got into the business. So you wrote a script for The Private Eye. How many years ago was this? Uh, that was uh, a little over 10 years ago. And when you wrote the script, did you have this big budget to make this film? Uh, well, I was uh, planning on it. Originally, I wanted to film it for like 20 million and cast some A-listers in it. But uh, all the investors I was talking to at the time, uh, they didn't want to invest 20 million into a new director and a drama. Like It's like a mystery romance. So they... Uh, uh, they all, the, all the investors I was talking to at the time wanted horror films. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, it, it, that was part of the journey, and we did not have a super big budget uh, at the end of the day. But how do you get investors to invest in you? What do you? How do you? I mean, you said you network people. How do you? How does that work? Uh, proof. That's the biggest thing. I mean, basically, I put myself in their shoes. Like, what would? Uh, you know, if I had uh, the money to invest in this movie, uh, what would intrigue me? And uh, the biggest thing is proof. And that's something I did not have when I first started The Private Eye. Uh, you know, I didn't have any, you know, I was going around, hey, invest in my movie. And the investor would be like, well, what have you directed? And I'm like, well, nothing. So uh, this movie, 
one. So that was the, that was definitely the biggest challenge, and it took eight years to raise the funds to make the private eye. So uh, wow. it's so in between the, what we do what were we doing in between that period of time? Uh, just literally, uh, literally trying to find investors and tweaking the script and casting the whole time. And then I did, uh, you know, you always work your angles, right? Like, you know, you learn something and then you go, might go a different direction. The finish line was always the same, but sometimes you got to work, work around boundaries and walls. So what I did is uh, in the meantime, too, I did write a horror film uh, called A Soul to Squeeze. Uh, which, uh, uh, you know, we're actually, actually why I'm in Cincinnati. We're going to be filming at Kentucky uh, next year. I uh, I got the Kentucky tax incentive. But to answer your question, uh, I was I was trying to adapt the whole time. And then I knew my biggest problem was is I haven't directed anything or produced anything. So I was trying to get myself on sets uh, where I could uh, direct or produce and uh, that's actually where I met Mina on one of these sets where I was building my resume. And uh, uh, I was originally only the co-director and uh, at the sometime during post, I, uh, I became the co. Uh, I mean, I was originally only the co-producer and uh, sometime uh, in post, uh, I be, you know, they gave me the co-director credit. So that's, you know, and I was getting these these credits and that actually led to uh, me being able to film the private eye. So do you, do you have to take a few side jobs in between, right? Just to keep money coming in and stuff like that, correct? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if you ask that, uh, how I was making money is uh, I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, so raising money for films is very similar to all the other business. So I actually started a uh, security business in Los Angeles, and it's still going strong. Uh, it, it lasted through uh, uh, COVID and everything, but I, I did that. I also, uh, you know, it's all about where you invest your money. So I, I got a rental property. Um, and then, uh, I also, uh, uh, I'm trying to have multiple sources of income. So, you know, and of course my, uh, finance advisor and where, you know, where to invest, uh, when it comes so, to stock. So the dream is the films, but yes. you're practical that you need to make money on the side. So you started a whole business. Well, and then, I mean, you're running a business and then you decide you're going to make a film. So you can like, when you make a film, you got to like leave that business behind, right? You can't watch. It's hard to do both at the same time. I guess you have really good people to work with or how does that go about? That, that's it. Uh, you know, a great team. You know what I mean? A, a manager, like uh, nobody realizes how much of a, a manager is important because like may, I might not make uh, more monthly having a manager, but I have so much more free time uh, compared to if I had to do it myself. So that's it. And then, and then, you, then you decide eventually to move to Ohio, correct? Is, is that happened? Or how did that come about? Well, to film the movie. Uh, so we've been playing like we, my partner uh, in Illusion Islands, Elliot, uh, he's actually, I met him in Los Angeles, but we are both from Cincinnati. Uh, and uh, we've always wanted to film in our hometown. So I actually came back to Cincinnati. Uh, to start the uh, Midwest division of Illusion Islands. We actually just opened our office last month and uh, we've had a few film projects film in the office and it's like it's like a smaller studio. But uh, the reason why is the tax incentives and credits. Uh, so Ohio gives a 30 percent credit in Kentucky. So I'm from Cincinnati. Kentucky's right across the river and they give a 30 percent uh, tax incentive, which is uh, in my mind, I like it a little better than a credit. But uh 
anyway, like that's why. How does that work? How, how does that tax incentive of the credit work? If you if the film costs let's say a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, how does this work? How much? Uh, so basically, uh, well, the minimum to most tax credit is three hundred thousand. But the re the way it works is that to start the question is for every dollar that production spends in that state. Uh, I mean, well, for every the dollar uh, spent, the uh, state makes three dollars. And like what I'm trying to say is, so if you go to film in uh, Ohio, for example, your all your food and all your coffees. And a lot of your crew, uh, you, you'll bring a lot of the heads of crew from uh, Los Angeles or wherever, like the DPs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but uh, like Cincinnati has a very strong, you know, uh, uh, crew with IATSE, grips, uh, all union members, costumes and uh, makeup, et cetera. So they have a really good infrastructure. Uh, but how the credit works is basically you apply. And uh, there are some small fees like... Uh, uh, for like the lawyer fee for the state and et cetera. And then they, uh, they review it with a board. And uh, if the uh, board in that state approves it, then uh, you'll get 30% for whatever you spend in that. Uh, it, it's an agreed upon amount. Uh, like they're not just going to, you know, you can't just spend a hundred million there. They, they'll say, all right, you spend $2.2 million and we'll give you $733,000 wow. uh, back as tax. And then that's the tax yeah. incentive. Uh, credits are a little different. You got to find companies and there's plenty of companies to buy the credits. So basically, you know, you get, for example, uh, like Procter and Gamble, uh, they need X amount of tax write-off. So like these tax incentives, a lot of time it's created like a, a nonprofit or a charity. So, you know, like at the end of the year, you can get tax write-offs by donating to charity. So it's very similar to that when it comes to the credits. So so that helps reduce any costs that you have in the film as a whole, making it much easier to do, to get the funding. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, what they do, if, they, if, if you don't have enough uh, equity in the movie, uh, what you can do if you do get the tax credit, there, there's certain companies like banks, et cetera, that will loan you. Uh, it's like kind of like a bridge loan. Well, they'll loan you the money and then you just got to pay that back once uh, uh, the credit is approved or the incentive. OK. And so when you get a this quote board, how do they decide if your film gets funded versus some other film? You know, it's literally uh, you make a pitch. It helps if you're from the hometown. It helps if you've got. Uh, familiar faces in it sometimes really there's no uh there's there's no uh, uh guarantee uh of how to do it like the the board just has to be intrigued and it's literally like a court where they, like I, I was i i got to be on the zoom uh when uh they were having the ceremony and literally it was you waited for your name and then uh the the person at the head of the court or I, I guess it was a judge uh would would state the case and then there would be a boardroom and they'd say, everybody in favor, say aye. And it was pretty funny for this one because it's a horror film about a witch. And the guy who said it, he's like, well, I definitely don't want to get cursed by the Raven Witch. So I'm going to approve. And <laughs> so they, you have to do the whole script? Is it like, a, so it's a whole, you got to get a whole way to a whole legal proceeding. How long does it take, I guess? And uh, it takes, uh, so every place is different. This is another reason why I like uh, Kentucky's a lot. Uh, a lot is they do it monthly. So basically you apply uh, and then uh, a month from the time that you applied, if you, uh, they'll, they'll take you to the court hearing, but it's different 
for like Ohio, for example, they, they only do it twice a year. So oh. you, they have a deadline and you have to get into that deadline and you might not get it. You might get it. Uh, yeah, I haven't checked all of the states. Is any of the states better than this? All the all the same. I mean, I don't. New York... They're all different. Like right now, I think Oklahoma is given a forty percent. Uh, I knew New Orleans is at least thirty, thirty-five. I think Atlanta's. It might be thirty-five as well. I think I know it's thirty for sure, but it might be thirty-five. And then there's a amount that the state gives. Like for example, Ohio. At least last time when I checked when I applied, Ohio was only granting forty million. Where Kentucky was actually granting seventy million. So, so like, so actually, all states are completely different uh, a lot uh, uh, in a lot of ways. So the idea for the state is they're going to get income from other people coming into the thing, brings the whole into the whole system itself. And since you made your first film, how many films have you made? Uh, that are uh, uh, so I have one that's released and. Uh, Illusion Island started distributing films, so we actually have a, a, a documentary uh, titled Bitter Jester uh, that's out right now on uh, Tubi, Amazon, YouTube even. So and you, uh, you know, I'm sorry, so you're a filmmaker and a distributor, all in both the same ways, I guess. Yeah, the, the game is, uh, like, basically, I try to compare our, uh, the way, when I was building the company, I tried to compare it to, like, Universal. Like, so a lot of times Universal will produce and distribute their movies but a lot of times they'll have somebody else produce it and they'll just distribute it and a lot of times they'll produce it and they'll have somebody else distribute it so it's it there's there's no rhyme or reason and it, it's every film is completely different and uh and that's just the way it is uh but uh i those two are out right now uh i i did some commercials that are out but uh really it's this year that a lot of the movies are coming out uh, the next uh, a movie I have coming out on a big release is actually one that Bud Rebel wrote and uh, Mina Guy directed, uh, The Undead. And I, you know, I really can't wait. Uh, we did a theatrical release, a small one, right? Yes, uh, it's true. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. We might do a charity So we're going to do that, and we're trying to make looking into a charity event in March in the city. So if you're in the area, I'll, I'll be there. You just let me know, and I, I can't That'd wait. Great. That's really cool. So the distribution angle of films, uh, it, that's that's a bit different, right? Now that's different connections again. Your distribution is now. Do you do yourself when you your distributions? Do you do also the theatrical release yourselves, or you do a right to streaming, or you do this whole nine yards? How's the difference on that? It's always different. So, uh, for example, another movie I have coming out this year is The Private Eye. So uh, we finished the final. Oh, the first film. Yeah, but, well, it was the first one I wrote, but uh, it hasn't, you know, like it hasn't came. It's not coming out to till February 9th. It's in theaters. Wow. And uh, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, they, they have a quote that goes around Illusion Islands all the time. And what the quote is, is you got three things you got, uh, you know, you've got uh, cheap, fast, and good. And you can only have two of them. You know, if it's fast and cheap, it might not be good. If it's good and fast, it's not going to be cheap. And if it's good and cheap, it's not going to be fast. And that's where we ended up with the private eyes. I didn't have a Marvel budget. So, uh, and I wanted it to be very high quality and well-made. So it took a lot of time uh, to get things done. Uh, where like, if I did have a big budget, I can expedite it quicker to some extent. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Jack's struggles to get where he is. Sounds great. All right, we're back. 
And now we're going to talk about like Jack. I mean, this whole thing is a struggle. Nine years yeah. of film. I mean, that's you know, I, that's like I'm sure your family's like, okay, you know, you really should need to do this. Maybe you should just take time something else. Blah blah blah. I mean, it's nine years. That's a that's a long period. In that whole thing, how do you get you know? Maybe an actor dies in between, <laughs> but you have a whole struggle on that alone. How did you get to the point where you know you kept going with this? You know, uh, you, you know, I, I really put myself in a situation where there was only one way out, and that's you know, uh, making it happen. Uh, I never, uh, in, especially in the beginning, I never had an option to where like, oh, I'm going backwards, and now where I'm at now it would take longer to go backwards than just complete it and do it right. Uh, so I truly believe in the beginning, it was all about the goal, right? Like I wanted to make a big movie. It was all about the goal. And then the longer, the, the, the more people tell you no, and, uh, and, and instead of giving up, I work around it. And, and you get these little wins, these little wins convince you, oh, I can do this. Oh, it's still working. So I, I, I did get a bunch of little wins that helped me keep going. Um, but it's really after you find out, oh, the goal, like, it's so funny, you know, your dreams, once you achieve your dreams, they're never as sweet as you imagined it. And then all you could think about is the journey. Like, man, dude, I can't believe I made all this happen. And I took this very curvy path, but I, I made it to this point. And you realize, oh, it is all about like the journey and the process. You know, you hear it all the time. It's all about the process. So I really enjoyed now. I enjoy the process. I love making movies. I like guess the big thing. And who's around you doing it? You know, like that. that's one of the biggest things. You, you got to make movies with your friends at, at the end of the day or people that you like working with because, you know, you're spending so much time and energy with these people. You want it to feel like love. You know, a relationship is never smooth. But I love my wife so much. And I, every time I get home, I feel like I'm in a safe spot so that's where i feel like when i'm making movies and uh that's uh i think that's a very good spot to be with it's all about the journey and who's walking these steps with you so basically so i mean in terms of struggles to get where you are would you like to tell anybody like really a difficult moment oh you, you know it? you know you know there was there's was so many uh so many difficult uh you know you know the best way I, I I'm trying to think of a specific time and maybe when I when I start talking I'll think of one but I, I have a saying uh, there, there's two different types of fun uh, there's easy fun and hard fun and easy fun is just hanging out eating cake maybe drinking some beers with your buddies but nothing really productive gets done you know but then there's a hard fun where it is very it's very stressful and uh, you know but it's so much fun in the aftermath of it, like because you did it. So like the, the, a specific moment, I really can't think of right now because literally it's, it's everyday thing where, where it used to be when I, when I was first starting and reaching out, it was hard to push the green button. It was hard to make the call. All right. Now it's the easiest thing in the world to make the green call, make the call. And I found out the longer you wait to make the call, the harder it is because you thought about it so long and what could go right and go wrong to where now, right when it's on the top of my head, I usually find myself just pushing that green call. And literally I make at least 10 to 20 hard decisions a day. And uh, I think, uh, I think it's very much like working out, you know, like if you haven't worked out in months and you're just about to start running again, the first week is going to kill you. 
But yeah. after you get past that first week, it, it comes becomes routine to where, like, I think if a lot of young filmmakers get stepped in my shoes, they might be overwhelmed. And the only reason that certain things don't overwhelm me anymore is just because I've done it so many times to where I'm like, I know that's going to happen. And uh, I think... I think that's a big thing. I, I think that filmmakers, uh, they have to understand how to start something, how to follow through, and how to end it. Uh, there, there's a, all those three steps are very important, especially the ending. You know, you got to end with the bang and then move on to the next one. But if you don't end it properly, you won't be, you know, I'll be stuck in a situation where I was before where it's like, well, what have you made? Or what, you know, what has came out, you know? So, Right now, I'm at the ending of three movies, including The Undead and The Private Eye. And uh, uh, another one is called Mary Pickford Love Wild. And I'm very proud of all these movies. And I'm excited that I did do all the hard, uh, hard work to you guys for The Undead. You guys did way more hard work than you You went through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, but I, I feel for you. I know exactly what it feels like. And I'm so glad that you guys had the same determination as me. I know you're interviewing me, but I'm so curious uh, to hear your <laughs> Thank you. Like, like, how you talk about the struggles that I'm talking about. I mean, you, you probably felt something very similar, right? Yeah. Like, well, it's, push it's, forward. I, I really, I went down did after my uh, my father passed away, and I just said, life is too short. I made a film, and it's time to go back into the do it again. And I had all these scripts sitting on, on collecting dust. This was right. It was, and it was as appropriate for the time that we were living in. I felt so. I decided yeah. that you know I needed to do it. Uh, it is really relatable, yeah. and, and it's becoming even more and more relatable with all this crazy shit going on in the world yeah, that we definitely talk about. But uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we're gonna do our quote weird facts of the day. Are we ready for weird facts? I'm ready for it. All right, I'm telling you they're weird. All right, here we go. So, competitive race walking has been around for over a hundred years. Now, just so you know, personally, that was the sport that I did when I was in track and field. Okay. It was great. You walk around, you just walk around really fast. Yeah. Well, it was much easier than, it was a little weird looking. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you ever seen it? Oh, I've done it. There's oh, a there walk. <laughs> one foot in front of the other. Uh, I've done many 5Ks race walking. Race walking, a hundred years. I'm very proud that it's been around. I, I love that. It was, it was, I did, I did track and field because I wanted to put something on my resume in college and you don't have to show up that much. <laughs> that was the whole thing. And, and competitive race. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I also wanted to say, you know, we're talking about the elections coming up and stuff like that. And we're talking about leadership skills, what someone needs to be a great leader. One of the things I was thinking about is the person has to have a certain amount of curiosity. They can't just like think the same ways. They gotta think, be curious the way, way other people think and how they get there. What do you think? <laughs> I, I think for a leader, I think the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, don't talk, do. You know, like I, I don't, you know, a lot of people uh, run off opinions and, uh, but you know, like, no, I want to see results. Uh, I want to see you do something, uh, and that's you know, that's really what I look for in a, a leader. And you know, I judge off actions. You know, it's just like a resume. You know, like, uh, you know, you can tell me that you're the best actor in the world, but 
you know, you got to have a reel. You got to show that you took chances and, you know, book these roles. And, you know, I, I can't just, I can't just cast somebody off a headshot. When you casted for this movie, Private Eye, when did you start casting, by the way? Uh, very uh, good question. Uh, and uh, the answer is, uh, I, I, I guess the, to define this question, because uh, I, I tried to cast, it, it was very unorthodox casting, okay? Uh, it was very much like my mentor, Mike Nichols, all right? So uh, where his original uh, casting process is like, get with your friends and do it. So when he directed the original Barefoot of the Park, he was lucky enough to get the uh, director job. And he said the whole time he had to convince his lead actor that he still wanted to be an actor and that he was great. And that was Robert Redford. Wow. So, you know, but Robert Redford was a, uh, you know, he was not a known actor at that time, but they both won Tony for that performance. So when I was casting The Private Eye, it was very a fluid thing. And you have to be very open and you have to realize you're, you know, you might not get what you get and you get what you want. And that's like 90 percent. Uh, so I've learned not to make promises to actors and uh, really just uh, be flowing with when it comes to casting. And then I it took so long that I, I just landed with the right people, um, you know, as the lead role. And everybody that was in the leads was it's, it's a very communal thing to where like there was four people that really made the private eye happen you know uh you know like yeah sure i could be the driving force but uh elliot hebler uh who's also an actor in the movie helped used all his ca ca uh you know used all of his connections and utilized that uh hope i Yee -Yee used all his connections and helped cast and then uh matt rife when he came on board he was uh, one of the first people we casted and uh, he used all his connections at the time too. Uh, so uh, really it was a very fluid thing. Unlike most of the way, you know, most of the time you cast, you hire a casting director and they give you a bunch of options, but that's if I set the deadline for filming and I have to cast this to where this was a little different. Like I, I casted the, the two lead roles, uh, the two lead male roles. And then we jumped into uh uh, production, casting the rest, and it was all through connections, really. Right, right. I. Uh, what was the uh, most difficult part of the film? How do we have days that were really long? How long did you like? We uh, we filmed this film during COVID, uh, mm -hmm. so we were like we were one of fifteen films to successfully film during twenty twenty, uh, and not have a COVID case. One of fifteen, and we kind of got lucky because we were at the beginning of COVID. So we were like right before all the extreme, extreme protocols. Like uh, we had to test, I think once a week, I think, or once every so many days where at the uh, middle to end of COVID, you had to test, uh, you know, test like every three hours or something like wow. that. So uh, that was a, definitely a new thing. But I also look at that as my advantage. I mean, all these big guys can't make their movies and th these actors, they want to make movies and these uh, filmmakers, they want to uh, make it happen. But if you're at the top of the level, you got to be more careful than I was. So I've learned, uh, and this is not just in uh, movie business, but uh, all businesses is when the majority is weak, it's a good time to strike and, uh, you know, hit oil. That's a good way of looking at it. Okay, so yeah. we're going to talk about our, quote, unique products. Unique items, like ideas come in my head. Some of them are a little wacky, some of them are great. And well, I don't know which one we get to today. 
I'm going to start with something a little different. I'm going to like, because you're an entrepreneur guy. Yep. If you had to put a vending machine up and you want to put unique items in that vending machine, what items would you put in there? Toilet paper. Toilet paper. <laughs> in the middle of the night, you lose a toilet paper? You never know. You never know. No? That's the first thing that came to my head. You know, and we can we can have a vending machine that's a bidet. Right. You know, I was I was mentioning because somebody I know is doing that. I said just basic hardware items like duct tape. Oh yeah. Everyone's like in the middle of the night. You need duct tape. You need a screwdriver. Oh, camera. Yeah. You know? I think that might be something that be. It wasn't my idea. So lately, when I've been doing the shows, I've been coming up with all these ideas. But I think that'd be good, you know, like because in the middle of the night, if something breaks, you need that duct tape. You mean a screwdriver, you need a hammer, you need to fix something really quickly. Does it oh, yeah. glow like a crazy glow? I think that might, yeah. be, that might be a very good vending machine if it doesn't exist yeah. already. No, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of uh, what, uh, you know, if it's late night and I'm missing something. I mean, but you, a lot of the vending machines already have everything I, would, I was thinking of, you know, like food and gum and. You know, there might be a, maybe we should do a beer vending machine. I don't know if I, <laughs> I know that's legal, but wine and beer, right? Probably not. That's probably why there is not one. <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing I'll could be my idea. I go in the elevators in New York City a lot, you know, whatever in the city, and it's full. And it stops still stops on the floors. There should be a button on the elevator that says full. And you just go straight to the bottom. Dude, that that hey, that's a great idea. You know, you know, I just thought of another one for New York. Is when I lived in New York, my umbrella would break every freaking day. So an umbrella vending machine and a rain boot vending machine is what New York needs. I think they would capitalize. Hey, that's right. We'll put the we'll put the umbrellas in the hardware one. Maybe. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, a lot of people today are struggling. So one of the things we also do is offer offer some financial advice. Money matters, we call it. So here's some yep. money matter talk. So what I think nowadays is collections. People should find collections that they like and keep them for a while. You know, I, I do the weirdest ones. I do any like movie, any like movie stuff on like cereal boxes, on the on the Twinkies. I keep it. I don't know. I don't know what's inside is gonna be good, but I think no, those would be like collectibles someday someone's going to want the star wars uh, uh, uh what's it called cereal or the twinkies yeah. whatever and yeah. i have all the movie for it paraphernalia but i think collections whatever it is is some way you can make money at least short term and long term oh i uh i mean look i collected cards when i was younger uh, so i just looked up some of my basketball cards are worth over five thousand dollars uh individually and then I, uh, I just looked up, I, I, when I first found out, uh, one of these Ohio guys, that's a YouTube star, now they're boxing, I forget, Logan Paul or something like that. He sold or bought a Charizard holographic for uh, $200,000. And I had a Charizard holographic. So like right when I saw that, I called up my brother. And uh, man, turns out like, I think he gave the cards away. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, that man, that Charizard. And I looked it up. Like, usually they go around $30,000 for these Charizard holographics. Okay, I don't mean to do this on the show, but he brought up cars, and I would usually do one investment idea. But I have another one, possibly. When you look at this, it's called okay. Aptera, A-P-T-E-R-A. It okay. the car drives, supposedly, a 1,000 miles without charging. It's solar and electric. 
It's three wheels. And I'm looking, you're going to have to tell me next to my speech here, whether it's something I should invest in. Because you buy, if you buy like, I think it's like $2,000, they give you shares of the company. It's not public yet. So Aptara, A-P-T-R-A. Well, let me go, uh, right, I'm going to buy my shares right now. You got to understand, like with, uh, uh, you know, you, why are hospitals such uh, big money makers? Uh, well, the main reason is, is the government funds a lot of their stuff. You know, so when you're talking about electric and anything green, the government funds a lot of it. So like Tesla, sure. for example, if you buy a Tesla car, at least in California, they'll give you $7,500 for your down payment because you're going green and electric cars. So that is the future trends. And, uh, you know, if you can find a, a government programmed uh, investment, I mean, you're going to make some money. I mean, Pfizer made a lot of money uh, two years ago. Yep. Yep. That's true. That's true. I know it's a cool looking car, though. I, I put a deposit down. Now I got to see whether I want to become an investor in the company. But I'm terrible. Yeah. Remember the name. That's a little different. Not a big I'll number. I love it. There, there's this one that's like a semi truck. I forget what they're called. Uh, uh, I, I believe I got some stocks in that. I didn't put much in, but uh, what is it called? Oh, it's called uh, Nicola, I think it's. Called. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's like a semi truck that's electric. Electric. Well, Tesla has it coming out too. So you're yeah, Tesla. So be very interesting. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, the biggest thing with these are the self drivings. Uh, you know, that was something that uh, Simpsons predicted. Yep, yep, that is true. Now, I, by the way, that's very interesting you brought that up because I'm now on to me. I just started very recently. Things that everyone told me that they love, things that they hate. I have my quote, my hate list. And things that I hate are like shows that make you think they're going to be in a certain direction and then totally throw you off. And I'll give you a quick one I just saw. Monarchy, Legacy of Monsters. So this yeah. is supposed to be like a Godzilla movie and all these monsters coming out. You know, like I'm young. I like to watch like Godzilla and Rodan and all this stuff. The monsters weren't even in the movie. It's like a whole yeah. like PC thing. You know, all the kids are great. Whatever. And it was like no monsters. I got ripped off. And I kept watching the series, waiting for them to. Little scenes here, but they ripped me off. You know, and I hate when a movie leads you in a direction or a trail that leads you, they're going to see something that totally is not on the screen. No, I, I agree. I mean, now, uh, uh, you know, like first I wanted to say, well, that's good fucking marketing. I got you. Imagine <laughs> they got, they got a job, you know, they're like, how are we going to get people to watch this? And uh, it worked. But I also agree with you. And now, Believe it or not, you can sue somebody for misleading in commercials, etc. Uh, like there was a uh, a Beatles movie. I forget what it was called. It was a, uh, I think it was like a, I I don't know if it is. I think it was led led by an Indian, uh, a, a British Indian. I, I forget what it is, but they put some. They they had a deleted scene in the commercial that attracted people to go watch it and the, the that actor was not in the movie wow uh, they uh they actually was a lawsuit uh because of it was misleading and a lot of the times on that subject it doesn't work out uh a, a topic that i've heard all my life is uh, uh this movie called which i love this movie it's called uh oh man it's dustin hoffman warren Beatty, written directed by uh, elaine may it's called Ishtar. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I did. It was that way. That was like a really 
bad didn't do well in the theater right that was like well, a... it didn't do well because they promoted it the wrong way like they mm. promoted it as like a drama or something like that you know it's dustin off and warren Beatty, and it was actually a comedy uh or vice versa i forget the exact thing but every, even the people that went there were like what the hell is not they didn't <laughs> they didn't find the correct audience but i mean dude it's a genius comedy uh, in my mind like uh, i know there's a lot of movies that didn't do well in the box office that right you know, that is true and i think that is you're i think you're right i think a lot of times is the way they don't promote it you know a lot yeah. of, a lot of times you go to a movie and the, the I mean, somehow you don't go to the, you don't watch it because the trailer sucks or whatever. And then you watch the movie like, this is so much better. And then the other yeah. time, the trailers are so amazing and the movie is terrible. I didn't see the new Exorcism. I was going to see the new Exorcist, but yeah. they gave a bad review, but it looks so good, the trailer. Yeah. Like, you know, the you know what? <laughs> On trailers, you know what I also hate? I hate when trailers show the whole fucking movie. <laughs> that, that's one of my pet peeves is like, well, I don't have to watch the movie now because uh, literally you explain the whole movie in uh, two minutes. Uh, right, so right. when I was making uh, my trailer recently, uh, I made sure that it told enough of the story to be intriguing, but you don't know, uh, you don't really know what's going on until, uh, until you see it. You know, yeah. you know who's really good at making trailers is Jordan Peele. Mm -hmm. And his team, like, you know, when you watch the trailer, it gets you excited. Oh, I want to watch the movie. But a lot of times you're like, I don't know what the hell this is about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, that's I don't know thing. what I'm getting it for, but I can't wait. Right. You know? And that's the biggest thing is I wrote it once about it, a twist. You know, when you went, the best part of being on a, in, a, in any type of art is the twist. And when it leads you in a direction you totally don't expect. Yes. And that's a great feeling. You're like, wow, like, this is, and you're like, almost you're like, I can't do this. Like, I would never thought this way. And it's like, they just blow your mind. If you do the twist too early, then it's like, you don't have to watch the rest of the movie. They reveal the twist too early. <laughs> but, you know, the twist is what draws you in. And it's like, you the suspense and then the twist to that point. Yeah. The biggest part of the whole, to me, the movie, that's, you know, the character. And that's what I love. Uh, about, I love movies with twists. I think, I think it's all necessary. I, I think stories have to, uh, like, in, if you know the whole movie, within the first five, 10 minutes, uh, you know, I don't think that was good storytelling. I think it is unveiling and, you know, slowly learning more and more and discovering because like that's it's just like a book or anything entertaining, you know, people want to discover things not only about the story and the movie, but they also want to discover what relates to them and what, what they are learning, you know? Yeah. It's a I very, mean, there are, there are cases where that actually doesn't happen. Like the movie Rocky, he sort of knew from the movie that he's going to fight this big fight, you know. But you thought he was going to win. Up. What? He didn't you win. You thought he was going to win. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing. Yeah, that was a big end to us. Yeah, but the idea that he was in the ring was the idea that he won. You know that he got oh, to yeah, be he fight. Give up. Exactly. No, you're you're hundred percent. That was the whole. Right. That was the whole thing they think going to try to get through. The win wasn't really didn't mean anything. It was the idea that he, yeah. he fought a good fight. All right. Yeah, no, leave, I, I usually leave with a final note about you know trying to help people out in this world a little bit. And what I'm going to speak about is about something very interesting. A lot of times people in their life try to fit in and try to quote, be cool and do the same thing. And, I, and then you let yourself, like, it's good to like, let people like give you an idea, like what show is good to watch, what movie to watch. But you have to be yourself. You have to just, it's okay to just like, if you're home on Saturday night, it's fine. You don't have to go out every Saturday night. You don't have to go out as couples. You could do what you want and not, 
feel intimidated. It, it, you're your own individual. And that's what makes you special. So I want you to leave that people to know that it's great just be yourself and not to be afraid to just not be cool. It's okay because you're cool in your own way. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bud Rebel Show. Good night. <laughs>